Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We're in a series that we've been in for the summer called Summer in the Psalms. And the book of Psalms, there's 150 chapters. And so you could imagine that it will take us a little while to go through each and every psalm, and uh, we're not going to cover each and every one, but I just thought it would go so well that we would cover Psalm 139 today. And uh, some of you, you know Psalm 139 very well because maybe it contains the favorite verse that you have uh, in your Bible, you have it maybe underlined or you, you have it marked. I know that if you go to Hobby Lobby, you could find a coffee cup or a picture frame with this verse on it. Matter of fact, I have a picture of one. And this is actually in uh, Psalm 139, verse 14. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, as you look at little Flint, you understand that that little boy is a miracle. And as we are going to get to this in a minute, all of us are miracles. If you think about it, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we're going to talk about this psalm this morning. Uh, this morning, also, when you came in on the program, you should have received a new uh, daily Bible reading card for the next three months. And so we encourage you to follow along with us as we like to read scripture every day. We like to read an Old Testament chapter and a New Testament chapter every day. And it just so happens that Psalm 139 was our reading yesterday. And so if you've been keeping up with us, this is going to be a great review of yesterday's reading. But let me pray this. I know we already prayed for Flint, but let's pray uh, for this time that we have in God's word. Father, we thank you for the amazing ways that you're changing lives through Atmosphere Church. God, we thank you for the way people are being healed. We thank you for the way that families are being restored. And I pray, God, as we 
talk about this psalm this morning, Lord, that you would use it to show us how powerful and mighty you are, Lord, that even though our problems are big, Lord, your power is even bigger. So show up, speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So uh, we're going to cover Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, you can get them open to that passage. And there's uh, about 24 verses in Psalm 139. And, and even though verse 14 kind of has this really powerful verse in it, and it, and it almost sounds like, you know, it's making much of us. Really, Psalm 139 isn't about making much of us at all. It's about making much of God. And Psalm 139 was written by David who actually wrote about half of the Psalms that we read in our Bibles. So David loved poetry, he loved writing songs, and I think a lot of times, like he vented in his life situations by writing. I don't know how many writers we have in the house today, you loved to journal your life. Well, David journaled a lot of things that he went through. And David, believe it or not, had a lot of problems in his life. He had big faith, but he had big problems. Anyone here ever experienced big problems in your life? Like everybody can say yes to that one. And even though David had big faith, he had big problems, he always got into this place, and we read about this in Psalms, where he kind of pulled himself back a little bit. Because have you heard the saying that you can be so close to the forest that you can't see the forest for the trees? So David had this, this ability, and, and this is, I believe, one of the reasons that God used him in such mighty ways, that he had this ability that when problems began to kind of suffocate him and began to kind of drown him, he had this ability to kind of step back a little bit from his issues and to remind his soul about the greatness of God. David had the ability to preach to his own soul. We read about this, matter of fact, in one passage uh, in particular, in the book of 1 Samuel, we read a lot about David's life, and in this particular time in David's life, he was kind of running from King Saul, so he was kind of a fugitive in his own home country, and he was hanging out kind of with Israel's uh, enemies, the Philistines, and he's kind of trying to be buddy-buddy with the enemy, and they were, hey, we don't want you around here, but while he was trying to tag along with Israel's enemy, his own homeland, his, his home base, where all of him and his soldiers' wives were at and their kids were at, they were raided. So while David is out with his mighty men, his own village gets raided. And in 1 Samuel 30, we read about the reaction that happens to David's men when they find out that while they went to help David, their, their own village got ransacked. And it says here, moreover, David was greatly distress. You know, there's many reasons that I believe the Bible is a reliable source of us knowing God better by reading it. This is just one of many in my mind that the Bible doesn't hide the hard stuff. It, it makes it wide open so that we can take a peek in and it doesn't edit out some of the stuff that, you know, leaves Bible characters like David looking less than perfect because we can relate to this. So the Bible is reliable because I believe it's relatable and we can identify with this. And because, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing a Bible and I want to manipulate people and get people to, to do things that I want them to do, there's things that I'm going to leave out. I'm going to leave out that, hey, if you follow God, you're, you're fine. You don't have any stress in your life, right? But here, David was under great distress. So if you're under great distress, hey, 
you should relate to how David is feeling right now. He's in, under great distress because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered and, and, uh, because of the sons and the daughters being taken. But David, it says, he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So he had this ability. Everybody was turning against him. He had 99 problems, right? And he was looking at all these problems. He's like, whoa, whoa, time out. I need to recalibrate my soul and I need to preach to myself that God is bigger than my problem. Maybe you came here this morning and you've got a problem in your life that is consuming you. Matter of fact, maybe it's the only thing that you've been able to focus on and think about this week. You're not alone. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people in that headspace, but David was in that place and he's gonna teach us through Psalm 139 how you can recalibrate your own soul. And so we're going to walk this thing through so that you can identify with how to recalibrate your own soul and remind your soul that God is bigger than your problem. Let's read together the first six verses because we're going to unpack the first big idea that David covers in Psalm 139. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Verse four. Even before there is a word on my tongue, like when things are just thought bubbles in my head, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high I cannot attain it. So the first idea here is that David is reminding his soul that God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. You, you need to think about this for a moment. As, as you pull yourself back from whatever problem you're dealing with, is that you have a God that knows where you're at today. Not just physically, as we're going to get to in the next verses, but he knows where you're at mentally it doesn't matter that you didn't even speak out the thoughts that you've been having this week, that God knows them. And this is, this is different than we, uh, we are. We, we, don't, we don't have the liberty to know how each other thinks. I mean, we may have some ideas. If you live with somebody long enough, you can kind of start figuring them out. And, you know, it can kind of be scary to know somebody that well that you know what they're going to say before they say it. You're like, I knew you were going to say that. But, but there's also some safety in that. When you come into space and, and you feel like you really know somebody, it's like, ah, like I can kind of let my hair down. I can take the makeup off and, and I can just be me because they really know me. But, but see, we, even though we have an idea of who people are, we really don't. We're limited in our knowledge. And I'm figuring this out as I get older because, you know, in my 20s, you know, I studied and did all of these things to learn knowledge and have all this knowledge. And I thought when I got to the age that I'm at now, I would have all of this knowledge collected. But what I didn't keep into consideration is that I got older, I would forget a lot of the things that I learned. And I was going through the garage and doing some purging of some of the stuff, and I pulled out an old notebook from college, and I was like, oh man, this, this class, I remember getting an A in it, and I just, I, I just did so well in this class, and I got this notebook out, and I started reading all of the things that I learned, I was like, I don't remember any of this. 
I mean, I'm pretty good at In-N-Out, knowing the menu at In-N-Out Burger, but that's about as good as I'm gonna get. Like, I celebrate, when I remember your name, I'm like, I remember their name. Like, this is cool. Like, I am so limited on my know-how and my knowledge about other people, but yet it's comforting to me that God knows me. He knows me. It, it can also concern me because like those thoughts that I've had, like, man, they, they have been broadcast to God. Like God knows those thoughts. Can you imagine if we knew each other's thoughts, like God knows our thoughts? Like imagine like God wired us with, with monitors on our foreheads. And every thought bubble we ever had went on the screen and played like a movie. Can you imagine that? <laughs> You'd be like, dude, you're not allowed to come near me anymore. I just saw what was on that screen. How long would it have taken us to invent some forehead underwear? Like, you can't, you can't see what's going on in my head because why? Because there's some scary stuff up there. Like how many of us have gotten so angry at drivers that we've pretty much murdered people on the freeway? And, <laughs> or maybe on a more serious note, we've undressed people with our thoughts and just like, you know, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't go there, but, but yet I do. And, and when we start thinking about God, like God knows my thoughts, I know it can be concerning, but I believe David is in a place where he's like, he's comforted by this idea. He's comforted going, you know what? God knows me and he hasn't rejected me. God knows me and he still allowed me to walk with him. He, he's holding me, even though he knows every dark, negative, toxic thought that I've had in my life. It's comforting. I will tell you that as you think about the all-knowing God, it should bring comfort. That he's, God's not like us. And he knows us. And he still is wanting to be with us. Let's keep reading here. Verses 7 through 12. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale or the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, this is like talking about, you know, the east. If I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, which for Israel would have been the west. So whether I go up, whether I go down, whether I go to the right or to the left, he says, you are with me. And even, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. In other words, if there is dark places that we find our life in, maybe a pit of darkness, that God is with us in those places. And that if God is with us in those places, they're not dark at all. That this idea that David is painting is that we're not just dealing with an all-knowing God, we're dealing with an ever-present God. That he's with us in every season, in every space of our lives. Now, now think about this. We can't be like that. Matter of fact, if you try to be in one place, or I should say two places at, at the same time, you're going to drive yourself mad. 
And, and my wife and I started thinking about this, like how our society and our culture is so anxious these days. And I, we started kind of connecting the dots a little bit. You know, 20 years ago, when you would go to work, if your family had to get a hold of you at work, they, they would have to, you know, call a receptionist, they would take a message, and maybe you could return the call until your lunch break or until dinner. But now, because of the advances of technology, we have our cell phones attached to us all the time. And so family are just always one text away from getting a hold of you, which is good and bad. It's good in the sense that, hey, if they need something, you're available, but it's bad because now you're a little bit fragmented as far as your efficiency at work because you're thinking about family constantly because they're texting you and they're calling you and they have easy access to you. But on the flip side of that, you go home from your job and now because of that same cell phone that your family was reaching you on, now your boss can reach you on. Or if you're self-employed, now your clients can reach you on. And so now you go home at five o'clock where 20, 30 years ago, you could just go home and your, your home was your home, but now your clients and your customers and your employees or your employers are now able to get a hold of you. So you're fragmented while you're home. And no wonder why we feel like we're in disarray with our lives because we're trying to be at two places at the same time. Only God can do that. And aren't you thankful you're not God? Only God can be at two places at the same time. But at, this, at the same time as we're thinking about God being at all places and seeing all things, it could be really comforting but as we start thinking about the places that we've been and the things that we've done and God was with us, it could be concerning. It reminded me of an old 80s song by the police. The song is called Every Breath You Take. You guys remember this song? You that are over 40, you know. It says every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. Every single day, every word you say, every game you play, Every night you stay, I'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see you belong to me? Now, as you, as you read these lyrics, the context of the relationship means everything. Because if you have a good relationship with this person... This is comforting to you that you feel warm and fuzzy like I'm being protected. But if you don't have quite as good a relationship, you're ready to go get a restraining order. <laughs> like this guy is a little bit too uh, concerned about me, you know? And, and I think a lot of times when, when you think about God and you think about him knowing who you are and, and being ever present and, and being at every place that you've been at, that maybe you're a little bit taken back by that going, oh, goodness. But wait a minute. That should comfort you. Because the all-knowing, ever-present God is with you. It says his hand is a hold of you. Even if you're in the darkest place of your life, God is with you in that place. And it doesn't make it dark anymore. When God is with you in those spaces, as dark as they may be, when God is with you, it changes everything. There's a reason that the most repeated promise in the Bible is, I am with you, God says. One of the books that really transformed my life as a Christian was a book I read about 20 years ago called Practicing the Presence of God. 
And it was written by this monk that lived back in the 17th century. And he had a really unique job description. He was a dishwasher in the monastery. And what he figured out is that because God is with us, the more we can ascend into the reality that God is with us in every moment, the better off we will be as human beings. That a lot of times, because we get busy and because we get distracted and and our problems just start growing and growing, even though God is with us, we lose sight of him. So what Brother Lawrence did is he, he came up with this idea that what if I took every hour of my existence and I, and I consciously remembered that God was with me and that he was in my presence and how that would transform my life and how that would affect how I handle my problems. Man, when I started trying to practice it, and it's harder than you would think. And it sounds easy, like, oh yeah, every hour. And, and one guy in the 30s said, I'm gonna take that to every minute. I'm gonna try to remember God is with me every minute of every hour of every day. It's harder than you think, but even in your attempt to try to do it, every time that you think about God being with you, it will help you face whatever problem or challenge that you're going through. Because when you know you're going through something by yourself, it can overwhelm you. But when you know that you're not in this by yourself, that the God that created the heavens and the earth is actually with you, hey, there is no problem too big that you won't be able to face. Because why? God is with you. He's ever present. And here's the third thing. It's found in the next verses. And this is the Hobby Lobby coffee mug verse, right? For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Now, as you think about the idea of you, it can blow your mind thinking about how God created you. I, I don't know how many of you took physiology in college or maybe you dove into the, the complexity of the human body, but it will just blow your mind away thinking how amazing God is and, and, and how he formed everything together. And, and I look at that in contrast to myself. And I've got to admit that I have a problem putting together furniture from Ikea. <laughs> I'm just going to go on record and say, that's hard for me. And I even read the instructions. But yet you think about the complexity of the human body and the human anatomy And what David is doing is he's reminding himself, going, whoa, I'm so blown away that God is so amazing. There's this awe factor with how he even created us. Louis Giglio, who is an evangelist and a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, he does these conferences. And he did this conference several years ago. Some of you may have seen this on YouTube. But I love how he describes the idea of the miracle of who we are. Go ahead and watch this video. 
We are a miracle. You're a miracle sitting in the building tonight. If I could just remind you just for a moment, you are somebody incredibly special. Let me just dial back to the beginning, and I, I know you know this already, but in the very, very beginning, here's how you happened, okay? One cell from your mom found one cell from your dad. Now, there's more involved in that than that, but that's enough for us right now. And by the way, we should applaud the one cell from your dad because that one cell did a pretty heroic thing to be the one cell in the story that we're talking about tonight. One cell from your mom met up with one cell from your dad, each one carrying 23 chromosomes. The one from your mom was carrying half of her DNA. The one from your dad was carrying half of his DNA. And those two cells met and merged into one single cell. And when they did, those chromosomes matched, and they began to form together a brand new DNA code using four characters, four nucleotides, they begin to write out what we have now discovered is the three billion character description of who you are written in the language of God. They wrote out your DNA, your human genome of three billion characters made up of those four simple nucleotides. And when they did, they described who God had ordained you to be in that one little simple cell. Scientists say if you took the DNA out of that one little cell and stretched it out, that DNA would be six feet long. Three billion characters stretched out to six feet long. So amazing that if I were to read your DNA, reading one character per second, night and day, it would take me 96 years just to read the description of you. And when they formed together, they wrote out and painted a picture which had never been written before in the history of humankind. And then that cell did the unthinkable. It set out to build that model from one cell. I'm telling you, you are a miracle sitting in this building tonight. And you have come a long, long way. I mean, here you are, this may not be in the family photo album, but here you are at three days old. 16 cells of you. You say, what in the world is that? It's a 16 cell human embryo on the tip of a safety pin at incredible magnification. So by now that one cell had turned into 16 cells on its way to making the 75 trillion cells that make up your body tonight. Every one of those 75 trillion cells containing that six feet of the three billion character DNA code that you. There's so much DNA in your body, by the way. If you stretched it all end to end, there'd be enough DNA to go to the moon and back inside your body. 178,000 times. That's how amazing God has made you to be. 75 trillion cells in your body. And when I told you that, 50,000 of those cells died and were replaced by brand new cells when I told you that. 
And then just now, 50,000 more cells died and were replaced by brand new cells. It's happening every three seconds, day and night, all the days of your existence. And you wonder why you're tired all the time. I'll tell you, you're doing some amazing stuff night and day. We're miracles, you and me. I love the way Augustine said it. One of the great fathers of the church and of the faith. He just nailed it when he said it like this. Men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, the huge waves of the sea, the long course of rivers, the vast compass of the ocean, the circular motion of the stars, but they pass by themselves and they don't even notice. In the womb, miracles happening every moment. Here you are at five months in the womb. You remember those days, those were the good old days. And just miracles happening every second. Let me tell you about one. Million optic nerve endings left the optic nerve center of your brain in the womb, headed for a million optic nerves that had left your eye. And they had to meet and match their exact partner. One million looking for one million. And when they found their exact partner out of a million and matched up together, in that instant you had sight. And anyone would tell you that to this moment, the most technologically advanced thing on planet Earth is your eye. Oh, but it didn't do you any good because when that moment happened, you just had one piece of skin completely covering your eyeball. But as I read in one textbook, miraculously and mysteriously at about the sixth month, a little cutting device appeared and it cut perfectly that piece of skin. And you had eyelids for the very first time in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the God of the heavens is the one who fashioned you together. So good. So good. You know, I was like, you know, I could get this down and I could say it myself, but he just said, so I would play the video because that was good. But see, here is what you need to understand. Not only is God all-knowing and ever-present, but he's miracle-working. The, the biggest thing that you need to understand is that you're a miracle and that God can do impossible things like create you. This is what frustrates me so much when I hear that people are being accused of being an accident and, and by being a mistake. And some mom or some dad and some adult or even some mean third grader came into your life and told you some lies that you've played on repeat since those moments as a child. And I want to undo what the enemy is trying to do, and that is to try to take your eyes off of how big and great and mighty that God is, that he created you not as a mistake, but as a miracle. I just want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are a miracle, my friend. Why don't you tell two people around you? Why don't you tell three people around you that you are a miracle?
Man, it can put things in perspective really quick. Especially when you're feeling worthless, when you feel like you don't matter. Like God put you here on purpose. And your complexity is the exclamation point of how much God is infatuated with you. And let's read on. It says in verse 17, it says, How precious are your thoughts concerning me. How vast in number they are. If I try to count them, they would be more of them than the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, I'm still with you. I love that. I don't know what was going on. If he was just having a bad day and his problems were overwhelming him, he's like, man, I'm just mad at the world and I'm just going to go to sleep. And he's pouting and he wakes up with one eye open going, is God still around? Is, is God like, is he done with me? Have I like ticked him off one too many times? Has he left me? And he opens his eye and God's like, hello. It's like, he's still with me. All right. I'm still good. I don't know how many of you have blown it in your lives. How many of you have made mistakes before in your life and you just thought, you know, God's through with me. But let me tell you something about the grace of God. It is so much bigger than your worst mistake. And you, my friend, are a person that God is thinking about. His thoughts about you are more numerous than you can count. I mean, he's thinking about you. Not only is the all-knowing, ever-present, miracle-working God, but that he's thinking about you. That him knowing everything about you and him seeing everything that you've done and everything that you've, you've been a part of and, and the, the miracle that you are, he's like, hey, I'm with them. Matter of fact, somebody told me one time, if God had a refrigerator, Jim, your face would be on it. Like, I like that. Because I have people in my refrigerator that I love. So your face is plastered on God's fridge. And that should give you some warm and fuzzy feelings because I know something about problems. They can mess with your life. And your stinking thinking can get you into a toxicity that completely breaks apart any kind of thoughts that you have of God being able to be bigger than that problem. Matter of fact, I skipped it at the first part, but I, I want to put the slide up for you that, that your thoughts about God directly affect how you respond to your problems. And just even thinking about God thinking about you should revolutionize how you view your own problem. That God is thinking about you more than you can count. Now, we're thinking about this, but then David like just throws these verses in the psalm and it's just like, what is that even doing in there? In verse 19, stay with me. It says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. I haven't seen that on a coffee cup at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> For they speak against you wickedly and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Grrr. He's just mad. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe this is in correlation with 1 Samuel 30, and he's upset. But there is definitely a problem that is in David's life. And, and I love this because he is free 
to vent it to God. He's free to say, God, I, I want to let you in on this. And, and I would go as far as to say, maybe David didn't even understand how frustrated he really was in his problem. And sometimes you don't have the ability to just see how much that problem has you stuck until you actually start speaking through it. I know on Tuesday night, I gathered with my leadership men here, and I call them my corner men, and we circle up once a month and we pray together and they pray for me and we, we uh, pray over the church and they were asking me how I was doing and I was like, well, pretty good, but you know, I got this issue going on and trying to get rid of this house and I'm trying to navigate you know, living in two cities as we launch this new church and it's growing, it's thriving. And, and the more I shared, the more I was raising my voice and I was like really getting angry and my hands were going and I was like, you know, you guys don't understand it. It's kind of frustrating. And I caught myself. And these guys are looking, their mouths are open. Like, hmm. We don't know to pray for you or to give you some Xanax right now or what's going on with you. But I kind of caught myself and I was like, oh, guys, like I didn't realize until I just started letting this out how much I was stuck in my problem. And when I started letting it out and I started letting other people in, this is just David saying, God, I know you already know this, but I'm letting it out. I'm getting it out. And there's something so freeing when you're able to just Talk to God and be transparent and be real and be raw and let your hair down, take the makeup off and say, God, I know you know this is already in me, but I need to say it because there's something stuck in me that I need to get unstuck. And sometimes it's that confession and that letting other people into that space that will actually set you free. And this is what I did. And it was a breakthrough for me Tuesday night, man. It was powerful. And I believe this is really what leads us to how he ends the psalm. And, and by the way, just because David did this doesn't necessarily mean that this is how we're to handle our enemies. Like, well, David said, we just, you know, we need to hate them. And because we know that Jesus dialed us in on this idea. And he said, no, we're, we're, to, we're to love those people that hate us, and we're to pray for those that, that are hurting us. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter five, this is worth noting. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. If you do this, you will be two, true children of your Father in heaven. So, so Jesus is saying that the proper response is to love those people that are your quote-unquote enemies. That, that's how you handle it, but but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be raw and just like, man, this is how I'm really feeling. God, help me with this. And, and this leads us to the ending two verses here. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Remember, he started the psalm off like this. And try me and know, there it is, my anxious thoughts. David realizes that there's some anxiety going on that he's picking up on. And he says this, and he says, and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. See, one thing I will tell you about your problem, it could get so lodged inside of you that you can be stuck in making any progress for your faith. 
And so when you get stuck in making progress for your faith, there are things that God is wanting to bring into your life and things that he's wanting to unleash in your life and and you're not able to process them. So I I believe the way he ends the psalm is a good prayer that we can all pray together. We we can all pray when we're at home by ourselves and saying, God, search me. Is Is there anything inside of me that's creating this anxiety that is keeping me from living out the life that you've called me to live while I'm on this planet? I like how this one psalm writes it about anxiety. It says, whenever I am anxious and worried, you comfort me and you make me glad. When I turn to you, God, you have this ability to take my problem that is eating my lunch, that's creating this great distress, that's causing me to stay awake at night, and God, you're able to actually make me glad again. And see, I'm so glad that David wrote Psalm 139 to remind us that God isn't like us. God can relate to us, but he's not like us. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And I'm so glad about it that he is the all-knowing, ever-present, miracle-working God that is here this morning that wants to work on your problems. I end with this scripture in Matthew chapter 10 or 11. It says, come to me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. One constant I hear as a pastor and as a community leader all the time from people as I'm talking to them and having conversations with them is I'm tired. I'm tired. And let me tell you, the tiredness that people keep telling me about can't be solved by a Red Bull or a bang even though that can really caffeinate you well, but it can't keep your soul from being tired. The only one that can keep your soul from being tired is Jesus. And he came to this earth, not just so that you could receive him as your savior, so when you die, you can go to heaven. He resurrected so that heaven may come and live inside of you. And so all these things that we just talked about The God that is all-knowing, ever-present, miracle-working can actually now live inside of your soul. And my friends, that's a game-changer. That means if you have a problem, God is here to help you solve it. God is here to do something new that wouldn't have been able to be possible had he not gotten involved. So I'm going to ask you to do something I used to ask the kids to do when I taught kids church years and years ago. I want you to cup your hands in front of you. I know it seems like, uh, are we in first grade again? Yes, you are. All right. I want you to cup your hands because there's something powerful that I want us to, to really capture about Psalm 139. That your problems may be big, but let me tell you something, God. God is bigger than your problems. And so I want you to think about the biggest problem that you have going on right now. I know, I know some of you have, you really do have 99 problems, all right? But, but take the biggest one. Take the one that is just really on your mind the most. The one that you're just thinking about nonstop that's making you, you know, it's hard to go to sleep at night. And I want you to think about that. 
Now I want you to do this exercise with me. We're going to pray. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I understand that you are greater than this problem. And I understand that you want me to give you the problems that I have. And that you will give me rest for my soul. So today, I give you my problem. And I just want you to lift up your hands to heaven. And I just want you to just like release it. And I just want you to know right now that he's grabbing those problems. He's saying, thank you. I've been asking you for this for a long time. And you just were released. Father, I thank you for the freedom that we have. No matter what we're going through. No matter what problems we face. That you are the all-knowing, ever-present, miracle-working God. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.